0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of That Which Does Not Kill Us. I'm your host, Sarah Arnold, and I want to talk about something very fascinating that I watched earlier this morning. So I came across this video on YouTube. If I remember correctly, it's like the video recording of a podcast called, uh, Diary of a CEO, and it was an interview that was conducted with Gabor Mate and so a little bit of background um he is a holocaust survivor and it sounded like um very very early on in life I, I don't know how old it sounded like he was like in his infancy his mother ended up giving him away basically to keep him from going to the ghetto and I'm terrible about memory remembering which country they were in but um the country that they were in um his mother ended up giving him away to a stranger um basically to keep him from going with her to the ghetto um and so that was kind of the introduction to this interview and mind you this was a two hour long interview and um, to give a little bit of backstory on him which i think will help a lot with this um, he was a physician doing a lot of different types of doctoring for many years and he has also written A plethora of different books that sounded like they might be something that I would like to look into. And um, one of the things that he had discussed is uh, trauma. Because obviously this is a big fucking focus of mine, right? And his explanation was that trauma is what happens in the body after a life-altering event. So this is his translation of what trauma is, right? and then so there's that piece and then um he's talking about basically not finding ways to deal with this can lead to uh, a multitude of physical symptoms and can negatively impact your physical health and basically that there is a connection between the mind and the body and that's one of the ways that it can translate, which is strikingly similar to many things that I've read. And, um, it was, where was it? Like the body keeps the score in sickness and in health. Like I'm sure there's other places, but, um, he was talking about how apparently this is something that has been studied scientifically across the board in multiple countries. Um, multiple, I don't know, multiple labs. I don't know how they conduct those types of studies, but whatever. Um, There's multiple studies on the topic of the connection between the mind and the body in terms of stress and um, that he finds it very vexing that the medical standard is not to incorporate these two things together in terms of treatment. And so this is kind of the introduction to it is going into this and just conceptually it's kind of fascinating and I don't necessarily d- disagree with his perspective on that um based on my own um, personal experiences with you know digestive health issues that have developed um after my um bout with COVID and after you know some extremely stressful circumstances um and then getting out of my own um coincidence and eh probably not probably not um and so this was interesting like something about this intro like really struck a chord and then um one of the things that how the conversation had developed is that uh he had discussed being diagnosed with ADHD um in later on in life and then his hypothesis on that as a diagnosis because uh, some type of therapies that he has participated in and uh, basically the therapy, the therapeutic treatments that he's participated in um, for dealing with his own traumatic history um, and talking about uh, one of the things that had come up during that therapy. And the way I would describe it so this is basically my vernacular for his assessment right just to listen to the wording so my brief synopsis of that would be it's it's almost like he was speculating that ADHD as a diagnosis is basically what occurs when in very early development a child experiences trauma and it's almost like a dissociative response to whatever that early trauma is and so like and again this is my vernacular for what I was hearing okay because um his early trauma was being given away as an infant you know and just kind of he was talking about his own experiences and I found that really fascinating and I cannot help but wonder if there is some truth to that like on a vast array of different areas of, um, mental development in, you know, ver- varying categories of mental health. You know what I mean? Because I mean, like if you come across anything that talks about like narcissistic personality disorder, like your cluster B, um, personality disorders and things to that effect, uh, primarily, All of the things that I've come across where it talks about this express that these personality disorders are essentially a reaction to the child's environment and the trauma that they've experienced, right? And so it kind of just had my brain reeling down this rabbit hole of possibility You know when it comes to um, mental health in like mental health in terms of you know mental illness and then also at the same time when it comes to things like um, neurodivergence Um, and it makes me very very curious if there is some kind of either causation or correlation you know in these things developing Because, um, like, one of the things that he had expressed again in an interview was that there is no gene for ADHD, right? There's no identifiable gene for ADHD. And it makes me curious, um, are there any biological markers for, you know, other forms of neurodivergence or um, other mental illnesses? It's just, again, it's a very fascinating thing to listen to. And it kind of, it just, you know what I mean? It kind of got my brain just like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, I have not yet taken the time to plug these questions into Google and see what responses come out. But I think it's a very fascinating possibility if that's basically, you know, what's occurring with some of these circumstances. And like, I've seen that speculated in quite a few other things as well that I've come across I really wish I could remember what but um this was obviously the most recent thing that I came across and yeah it just again it made me very fascinated and very intrigued because I think that it is a very real possibility that a lot of this the why behind um abnormal psychology and human behavior and development and things like that um it's it goes back to the old question of nature versus nurture you know how much of this is inherited and how much of this is a learned behavior you know or rather maybe learned behavior isn't quite the wording i mean it might be in some circumstances but then um like how much of it is a response to the environment you know and stimuli because um one of the commonalities because I keep coming across um a variety of different things pertaining to autism and I don't know if I talked about it on here or not but um one of the like I came across something that if I remember correctly it was a short from Richard Gannon and in that short he had expressed that experiencing narcissistic abuse um can leave your brain in a state with well, the effects of that the effects of narcissistic abuse is um it can like you can come out of that with um some brain damage for lack of a better way of putting it and then like I can't remember the exact vernacular in it but whatever um that basically it alters your brain And you can turn into, develop into a very literal person and then at the same time it may even leave you thinking that you're on the autism spectrum. And when I first came across this um, it really struck a nerve because if I were being transparent I would say that this is something that I have been contemplating over the last few years Um, is if it's possible that at 41 years old, I am an undiagnosed high functioning autistic person. Is it possible? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Especially when I go back into a variety of different things, but then it kind of makes me think at the same time, you know, how much of this, you know, started early on and then how much of this is, you know, extreme. Um, extreme reaction to circumstances you know what I mean which is what kind of tied me into the Richard Gannon video right um but I think it's about a 50 50 and the reason why I say that is because like so I came across something recently um I think it might have been earlier today or yesterday where it was talking about um how basically what's happening in the autistic mind It's like, it's nervous system dysregulation. For lack of a better way of putting it, you know what I mean? Like the, um, meltdowns and things to that effect. It's, it's a, it's a physical manifestation of extreme nervous system dysregulation, which I know I experienced a really horrific bout of, um, nervous system dysregulation, um, at the end of 2021 into early like early yeah from end of 2021 it was like a seven month period where I was really um not doing well um and the way I described it up until you know having some other words given to me was um I described it as like feeling anxiety on a neuro like extreme anxiety on a neurological level um and it's basically with that it's almost like having I don't know, too much energy, like and not, not like good energy, but you know what I mean? Be like being over energized. And it's like having your another way to describe that is um having your brain and your body like overstimulated to the point where it's like it needs to shut off, right? But what I will say, and this is why I think there's some like it's Yes, my marriage played a role, but for me, I also think there's something developmentally involved because of other assorted symptoms, you know, in frames in my life where this has come up. I just didn't have the understanding to be able to, to describe accurately and adequately what was taking place. Um, one such incident, a friend of mine witnessed in high school where in... A circumstance of extreme overwhelm I I don't remember if he said I was hitting my head against a wall or the floor it doesn't really fucking matter what you know the what of it all really doesn't make a difference but it's like trying to shut it down you know what I mean trying to shut off whatever you know the thing that's too much is and obviously it's a source it's for my brain you know so I'm trying to like just fucking you know power down you know through extreme measures obviously But, um, so that's why I'm like, "Eh." Like, it's a complex dichotomy, but, uh, again, it kind of goes back to, um, how much of this is in fact developmental rather than genetic. And so it, it, it had me very curious and the thing that I've noticed as well, though, is the older I get, the more comfortable and at ease I feel being around other like-minded individuals Um, one of my very close friends from high school is uh, not dissimilar and then I also have a person that falls under that umbrella at work and there's something very validating about being seen in all of your perfectionism and all of your obsessiveness and all of your singular focus as it being a positive attribute and it's interesting uh it's very very interesting to to change to have a change of view on that because for i would say the last year or two i have attributed my perfectionism to um uh, being tied to like a negative internal dialogue you know what i mean like so i've been trying to become better about you know exhibiting that behavior outwardly because um There's been a tie to like that, oh shit, sorry, I'm trying to think of words and I'm fumbling here, but there's been a tie to that perfectionism with like an underlying feeling of like never being good enough. And um I don't know if that it comes from like somebody else's perception where, you know what I mean, like on a subconscious level, I feel like I'm not good enough because, you know, X, Y, and Z happened, you know, like when I was like one or whatever. Or if it's possible that, you know, this is just an avenue of obsessive focus where for me to be okay, whatever it is that I'm focusing on or whatever it is that I'm doing it has to be just right you know and until it gets just right i can't walk away from it and so there's something almost calming and validating like that's the only word i can think of right now like i'm sure there's another one but eh, it's, it's escaping me there's something very calming and validating about having somebody verbally and outwardly express this is an autistic trait. Uh, p- perfectionism is an autistic trait and so rather than tying it to, you know, not being good enough, it's almost like it's a flip the script where, um, having this highlighted in this context and capacity has made me feel like, um, I'm being seen positively for having this characteristic of, you know perfectionism and that it's a positive quality to have because the results that may stem from that and so I don't know I don't know how to describe it differently and I really wish I could but you know there's there's something about somebody outside of yourself seeing and accepting that behavior without judgment and instead um approaching it with comprehension and understanding and empathy that it just it puts a different spin on it you know um i don't know how to describe any better but yeah there's something really magical about being able to share this type of commonality with another human being and accepting it for what it is, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, it's weird. It's not something that I'm acclimated to. And so again, it's fascinating to deal with. And so there's other random things as well, which, you know, are reasons why I posit that this is a possibility. Um, other little odds and ends of behaviors. Um, so apparently something that is common for autistic people to do is to do what's called stimming, which is typically some type of a physical behavior. Like it's almost like a tick, I guess, for lack of a better term. And, it's something that pops up circumstantially and i'm i know adhd people have similar things where they uh, like they fidget you know and it makes me curious again um how much of this all comes from the nervous system and what's happening you know what i mean what what's happening in the um electrical pathways of you know from the brain to the nervous system that are causing these things to occur and what i realized is um i do this but it's a very strangely specific thing that hasn't come up in a really long time but more often than not when i have a tendency to to do um that is i'll i'll find ways to fidget with things and it's when i have something that i'm trying to th- like a problem that I'm trying to troubleshoot, you know, um, if I'm in a circumstance where I'm trying to get myself out of analysis paralysis. And ironically, it comes up most often at work. Um, so in my previous role, when I was, before I left Illinois, one of the things that I used to do is I would twirl what I refer to as my employee beating stick, which is like a narrow cardboard tube that's made of thick heavy cardboard not dissimilar to like wrapping paper tubes but again it's skinnier and the cardboard is thicker and so what I would do is when I had a problem that I really needed to ponder over I would step back from it and I will twirl my employee beating stick like I would just do this for a considerable period while I was trying to think of a solution um, to the problem and now there was another role that I fulfilled in that same facility, in which the way that I would fidget, again, it would just come off as perfectionism, you know, or like some kind of OCD or you know, nitpicking or whatever. Um, this was when I was working in a warehouse. I would put all of the stocking carts, like I would put them away, and like so, all of the tools that we would use for receiving and stocking of merchandise, I would put them away, and obviously in i would do them in a very particular way um there's always a very particular order to where these things went how they went how they lined up with each other the space that they filled in etc so they're not as obvious of behaviors as like you know somebody flapping their hands or like making like clicking sounds or you know whatever like they're not as obvious versions of it but Is it possible that this is, you know, my version of that, um, for the circumstance that I was in when my brain was short circuiting? Yep. It is possible and or probable that, you know, it's just not as captain obvious to everybody. Um, that that was what was taking place. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like that's, I think it's a probability at this point. Do I need a fucking piece of paper now? I don't, I don't need a piece of paper to tell me about myself. I am very analytically minded and, um, yeah, if, if that's not like 100% accurate, I feel like it's pretty close to accurate, um, close enough for my comfort and that's really what matters and yeah, I don't know. Again, this is a very fascinating interview. If anybody out here is listening and has two hours on their hands, It was a really fascinating thing to listen to and watch. And I don't know. It just leaves me very curious about, you know, developmental health in the mind. You know? And how early that begins. So, yeah. That was kind of... That was my little thing that got me all excited this morning. So... Thank you very much everybody for tuning in and as always be well.